as we head into God's word, we've said we're going to we're looking at neighboring, right? And we've gone a few different places. We've we've talked about how Jesus himself focused in on a lot of individuals. Sometimes he was gathered around, you know, large groups of people, 5,000 people, 4,000 people, so on, even even more than that. But oftentimes, most of the time, he was with those 12 people, those 12 disciples, as they, they spent time together, as they ate together, as they prayed together, as they were walking through fields and along uh, roads, you could say, together. And then we spent time last week talking about this law expert, and we had a reminder of that story, those people who were passing by on the side thinking about who is our neighbor. You know, is it the people that live closest to us? Or is it people further away? Or is it just everybody or anybody who is in need? Naturally, in neighboring, actually in meeting anybody, in any people, they don't have to be your direct neighbors. Neighboring can get a little messy. People sometimes aren't always the easiest to get along with. Has anyone encountered someone that was kind of, was a, you could call it an extra grace required person? Well, that sounds good. It's a way that Jesus puts in your life, a way that you can give extra grace to people. Because they're maybe a little bit more difficult to get along with. We'll naturally meet those. And that's where we're going. What do we do when we meet those people that are a little bit harder to get along with? Those ones that make God's grace a little bit more evident. And that's grace that we need to give to other people. You know, in neighboring, you can see some of those extra grace required people, perhaps. Emily and I were neighbors. These weren't extra grace required people. They were great people. We were out in Colorado and, and we lived up in this like orchard area. We rented a, a, a place from one of the members of our church. And they gave us a warning. Hey, Pastor Steve, just to let you know, uh, the neighbors across the street play music to their grapes. And, and so the, the neighbors across the street from us had this grape um, vineyard, basically. And, and, and they would Basically, 16 hours a day, they would play music to their grapes. It was kind of one of those things that it just blended into the background, and, and you didn't notice it, but then sometimes you would notice it. It would be like the music became a soundtrack to your life, right? It wasn't necessarily annoying, per se, but you knew it was there. But there's other times when you're neighboring that, well, there might be some things that you consider they might be just a little bit more... Annoying. Like maybe that dog that always barks. That one, it, all it does is bark outside, bark at everybody. Uh, you know, it, it just continues. And, and what do you do? The natural response to some people is, is to retaliate. So I got some stories about neighboring and retaliation. That'll be kind of, I don't know if it's fun, but it'll give you an idea of pictures of difficulty. There's a story about a lady who really got sick of this barking dog. So she kept playing opera music on repeat for 16 hours a day. And it wasn't multiple different songs. It was the same song 
blaring over and over and over. And this lady ended up being arrested for doing that. Uh, She was enraging her neighbors in the process. The funny thing is, though, the dog had long moved away, and she kept blaring this one song over and over and over. Sometimes you can have disputes about gardening. So there was this dispute over caring for a flower bush that some neighbors had, and it exploded into kind of like this nightmare for neighbors. One of the people who was a woman who was retired got slapped with an antisocial behavior order from uh, the police. I, I don't know if that, I don't feel, we could ask Phil if that's actually a thing. I don't know. But she was harassing, allegedly, her neighbors by adding cameras that was pointed directly at their houses, by leaving booby traps made with paint cans and flower pots, by dumping oil, dead animals, and broken glass all over the place. Who wants that person as a neighbor? Anybody? No. All right. There's another one. Uh, Sometimes you move into a neighborhood and you want to get to know the people, uh, and sometimes they can be a little rude. So this, this older guy noticed he moved into this neighborhood that backed up on a nature preserve, and he noticed how his other neighbor had such a bigger yard than him. It extended in the nature preserve further. Then he started noticing how that neighbor, about once a year, he would take the posts up and he would move them out an extra two feet. And then he would clear the land, and then he would gain. And then, then he went out to tell them, this older neighbor, you know, you really shouldn't do that. There's some pretty big consequences you can do but for stealing land. And the guy's response was, mind your own business. I've been here a while. Well, what happened is that guy went off on a trip, and the Nature Preserve State people, rangers or whatever, came and noticed it. And they had their maps out, and they were looking at it, and they were realizing that this man was stealing the land. So they put this note that said, you need to move all the stuff. The guy had like a car parked back there and all this. Others were going to impound it and take it. Well, while the guy was still gone, they started working, doing this work and putting up a fence, put his stuff in, impound and all that. The guy came back and went to the neighbor. Well, how come you never contacted me? I was just minding my own business, right? And then we got ones that are like this, if we can get there. Go to the next slide. You know, can't tell, that's a pile of manure. Some neighbors turn a blind eye to a dog pooping in their yard. They just pick it up and take care of it. Others, perhaps, choose to retaliate a little bit. So this is a house that backed up up on a farm, and, and for some reason, this person didn't like that their dog, or I don't know what, was pooping in their yard. So they started putting piles of manure, and you can see that one, and you can actually see another one right behind it, in and right next to this other person's fence. It was actually, you could see it from Google Maps. It was that big. Retaliation. I think another one, we'll go one more. There we go. That's a bunch of piles of hay bales. If you go to the next picture, there we go. Uh, More piles of hay bales. An English farmer wanted to build an agricultural building, you know, on his farm. And it kept getting denied by the townsfolk. And, and some of the townsfolk were like, it will ruin our view of the of wonderful pastures that you have. So they didn't want to build a building. Uh, and then they also complained about his, his hay that was in the middle of his field. So then he moved it. 
and he started stacking it right next to the boundary, and so to the point where they couldn't see the field anymore. Because what's a farmer to do? Where is he? He's got to put his hay somewhere. Neighboring, retribution, revenge. These are things that perhaps come into our minds, maybe not our minds, but in society. Oftentimes, the question's asked, if someone did something to you, well, what are you going to do? How are you going to respond? What are you going to do back? And that's where I, we're going to head to 1 Peter chapter 3 this morning. If you grab the Bible that's in those seats, that hardback, it'll be on page 982. And we're going to see, see what the book of Peter has to say. Finally, all of you be like-minded. Be sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. We're going to focus mainly on these two first verses that are there, verse 8 and verse 9. The purpose, or one of the purposes, of 1 Peter is to expand and give teaching of what it looks like to live out your faith in Jesus. But also, it's a little bit to understand the suffering of Jesus, that Jesus didn't necessarily have an easy life, that he experienced many trials and he experienced Persecution, I guess you could say. People who were against him. People who thought he was, um, well, out on left field. That he wasn't theologically sound as the Pharisees and so on. And so this letter is to share uh, his suffering and how it applies to our life and how we would live it out. Now the hearers of this letter at that time didn't necessarily have the easiest life either. Often. You could say that their identity as a Christian maybe wasn't necessarily even something that they wanted to be proud of because the the label of Christian in their life brought suffering. It was not something perhaps that brought honor in that time period. The Christians in that day would experience uh, boatloads of grief and, and trials all stemming from the fact that they believed in Jesus. They would be marginalized in society. They would be threatened by other individuals. They would be alienated economically. They experienced loss of honor in standing in society if they said they believed in Jesus and were a Christian. So what's a Christian to do? What's a person to do when they're being alienated and harassed and persecuted? When it seems like all of society is perhaps against them. What are the characteristics then that should define that individual's life? 
That's what Peter's getting at here, the book of Peter. Because retribution is not a characteristic that's among those of Christians. To, to repay evil for evil, to repay insult with insult, that is, is not one of the things that define who a Christian is because a Christian community is supposed to be this alternative society different from the world where believers do not have the the same face-to-face reactions or keyboard-to-keyboard reactions that we see in society. In order for the Christian community to be a place of support and refuge, certain qualities like these ones mentioned in verse 8 need to characterize all of its members. These characteristics... Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate, be humble. It's essential to the Christian life. We're not going to get there. Whatever. That's fine. I won't use this. All these qualities put a focus on valuing other individuals. Valuing people not only within the Christian community, but also valuing people who are outside of the normal community. Your neighbors, your friends, your co-workers, your schoolmates, all of the other people, valuing them. Within the Christian community, it's, it's a value towards the, the things that we believe. Being like-minded, believing in Jesus as our Savior. Being like-minded that we are sent here by God to live for God within the world. Being like-minded that we are to love our neighbors and extend grace to them. Being like-minded, having all of the same singular focus going in one direction within the community. And that pushes directly back on the individualism that we see in society. Where, I don't care what anyone else thinks, I just want to do what I want to do. The individualism that prioritizes the things that we want over how they affect other people. Individualism that focuses on what they want, what they think, and what they care about. Because individualism overtakes community commitment. When we focus on self over others, we're willing to just toss others aside because they don't like or want or think the same things that we do. Elevating our own preferences and being willing to cut ties so we can have our way. When those individual needs are not met in, the, uh, in Western culture, that's often what happens. Pushing people aside, casting off a certain group, terminating some commitment that we have with people and then seeking out some other group that shares all the same wants and needs and desires as we do. That's a kind of like-mindedness, but that's not the kind of like-mindedness that we're talking about here. We're talking about a 
commitment to other people and willingness to join together on the same mission as what these were doing. Where, where God impresses upon our minds and our hearts what He has for us to do. That we would love others. That would be, we would love one another. That we would continue to grow in grace together. That we would continue to seek those things that are beneficial for the, the whole Christian community, not just certain individuals. But what about relationships outside the church? What about those, those neighbors, those coworkers, those, those kids you go to school with? Those other people that you meet? What, what does it mean for them? First Peter has something to say about that, and that's, that's verse 9. It says, Do not repay, repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this, you were called. Peter says to these people who are experiencing insult, experiences economic oppression, those who are experiencing difficulties in perhaps disagreements, those who are being dishonored in society, that somehow they are to repay that evil, that discord, that difficulty. Not with evil. Not the way society would do. Not with the question, well, what are you going to do? You going to do the same thing? You going to send your dog over on their yard to do its business? You going to pour ammonia all over their yard? You going to do that? No, no, you don't repay evil for evil. Instead, you give blessing for evil. You don't have a hostile, angry relationship with those outside the community. They, they were facing it all the time. They would be overlooked for jobs just because they were a Christian. They wouldn't even be offered them because they were. People wouldn't want to do business with them because of what they believed. Peter says, don't retaliate. Don't, don't push back on that in that way. Do not take vengeance against individuals who are treating you poorly or not the way you anticipated. If you see a 30-foot-tall stack of hay bales, you might not like looking at hay, but don't retaliate by setting it on fire or something like that. That'd be bad. There'd be big consequences for that. Instead, with the, the messy, the difficult, the extra grace required people in our own life. We are, we are to choose a different road that is alternative from society that we would actually seek their well-being. That we would, would instead of harbor, harbor anger and resentment towards someone for what they have done, that instead we would begin sincerely responding to them trying to, to change the relationship. Encouraging us to do something totally contrary from what people would expect. You know, we saw it in those stories that I read earlier. The, the retribution, the vengeance of, of escalating things to another level to get back at someone for, for something. You know, and, and we're not called to put a different flag in front of our yard because we saw them have one that we don't agree with. We don't need to respond that way. Sure, if you want to put one out, sure. We, we, don't, 
we don't start, you know, uh, talking poorly about our neighbor because they don't like the way we do things. Maybe not poorly to their face, but poorly to our friends. My neighbor is such a terrible person, and, and he continues to mow three feet into my lawn. Can't believe he would do that. We don't, we don't talk poorly about them. Because when the word here says blessing, there's a couple ways that we could interpret that. If you, if you are blessing a person, you are choosing, either in the Greek, to do one of two things, to speak honorably about them in front of other people, that you would not speak poorly, even if you disagree with them and you don't like them, even if you don't like their political policies, there's an easy one to get into, a low floor to step into. If you knew anything about the election, maybe you were in a cave. There's difficulty and anger between two parties and wanting it one way or the other way. And oftentimes what we will do is we'll begin to call them names. Those hyper-conservative whatever, those liberal this, that, and the other. We're called not to stoop down to that level of insult. Do not repay insult for insult. We were called to speak blessing on the other. Speaking in a way that makes them highly regarded, even though it's opposite of perhaps what, what's displayed or what they display. The other thing, the other way of blessing is to, to speak a blessing of God upon someone. That the Lord would bless them and keep them, that the Lord would make his face shine on them. That the Lord would see to it their well-being. If we go back to sermons, we talked about how the Lord told the Israelites to invest in the city and pray for the city in which they were given, which, which were the same people that were, had taken them into captivity. Because if the city prospered and these people who take them to captivity would, would prosper, they too would prosper. We, we, instead of speaking curses upon individuals, we speak blessing. I don't know where it is in my notes, but there is some meme. I like to bring up memes every now and then because it's the currency of people who are on Facebook and stuff. There's a meme that goes about, and it usually uh, comes across this way. I found a verse in Scripture that I can pray over inter-politician, Gretchen Whitmer, Obama. George Bush, President Trump, President Biden, any of those. It's from Psalm 109, verse 8. May his days be few, and may another take his place in leadership. That is not a blessing. Okay? I want to be clear. That is not a blessing, and I don't think that's actually a prayer that we are being called to pray over anyone. Because that's a prayer of vengeance and retribution that is not our job, not what we're called to do. Though we do not like a certain person, whether it's a politician or it's a neighbor or it's anyone, we're never called to retribution. Instead, we're called to blessing and honoring. 
and what it would be like if, if we would have more blessing and honoring than name-calling and retribution in the world? Would we experience more praying for the city as a group? Would we experience more sincere prayer for the well-being of all of those people who are out in our community, people we interact with? Maybe we need to begin by, by praying that the Lord would take from us the spirit that society tries to imprint in our lives that says retribution and vengeance is the way. How are you going to get back at them? Something we see from childhood on, I have many children in my house, and oftentimes if one of them gets hurt, their natural impulse is to try to hurt the other. Maybe we need to pray that even from infancy on to later adulthood that the Lord would take that spirit of vengeance away from our life, that instead that we would have a spirit of blessing and a sincere desire to see those who perhaps have frustrated us, who have hurt us, who have caused us to give them extra grace time and time and time again. That we would long to see them blessed by God. Knowing that, that we're doing so that we would inherit a blessing. Now, it's interesting that he said that if you do this, you will inherit a blessing. Actually, I don't think it actually says do. It says, do not repay evil or repay evil with blessing because this is what you were called so that you may receive a blessing or inheritance. Sorry, so that you may be repaid inheritance. Now, the thing about an inheritance is you didn't earn it. Right? You don't necessarily earn an inheritance. You just get an inheritance by being related to somebody. That's generally the way it works, right? Well, when we're thinking about this scripturally here, when we think about an inheritance that we're going to receive, it's not based on any of your work. It's not based on how much you read your Bible, even though that's a great thing. It's not how much you pray or how many minutes a day you do so. It's not any of those things. It's, it won't even be based on how, how you bless other people, but we're called to do that. We're called to seek God's Word. We're called to understand Him more fully so we may reflect His grace and His love and His mercy more fully. We're called to that. And because we, we follow Him, we receive the inheritance. Because we follow Him, we are grafted into His family and called a child of God. And because we are a child of God, because God is so gracious and merciful and compassionate, we receive the inheritance. Something that we, we couldn't have earned on our own, a grace given to us that we can't that we cannot even do anything to gain more of it, to gain it alone. 
And because of that, that's what pushes us to give that grace to other people. Because of how much grace we've been given, we want to give grace to others. Because of how we have been blessed, it might not be monetarily, it might not be in ways that we think of blessing here in the United States by having 2.5 children and, and having you know, this picket fence around our house. It might not be that type of blessing might be a spiritual blessing that, that God gives us a, a blessing that we will receive when we, when we live in eternity with Jesus. Because of that blessing, we give blessing to others. There's a story that I think shares a little bit about what it looks like in practice to not repay evil with evil, to not repay insult with insult, but to re- repay blessing to the evil we receive. There's a story about a soldier that was kneeling down to pray in their barracks. And the whole day, their platoon or or group of people, I don't don't know what you actually call that because I should ask the military people, uh, they were out in the mud and they needed to trudge through rain and mud and, well, it wouldn't be dirt anymore, but they were getting dirty. And one of these other soldiers didn't like this one, didn't like that he was a Christian, didn't like that he followed Jesus, didn't like that this guy was already clean and he was praying at the side of his bed, so he threw a boot at him, a muddy, dirty boot, and he hit the guy. The guy just kind of looked at it, okay, just set it aside and continued to pray. Next morning, before anybody got up, anybody else, he got up and he cleaned this guy's boots up. And he set him in front of his bed so that when he woke up, he was all ready. Repaying blessing for evil. He could have easily put the boot somewhere where he couldn't have been found and he would have gotten in trouble with a superior ranking officer, but we don't repay evil for evil. Instead, we give blessing upon others. Leaving something perhaps better than you found it, you could say. So let's pray together that through the the power of Jesus and the Spirit that He's given in us that we would be stripped from that desire to repay evil for evil and instead that the Spirit would implant in us a desire to sincerely speak blessing over those whom we find to be difficult to get along with. Let's pray. Father, it's, it's so easy for us to slip back into our old modes of living. Those impulses that perhaps come so quick that want to see us get back at somebody. We pray that through the power of the Spirit, you would strengthen us. That your Spirit would remove those desires from our mind and our heart, that they wouldn't even even come to our mind. That instead, that you would cause each and every one of us to have this innate desire to come to your throne through prayer on behalf of those people that are hard to get along with, that seem to cause hurt. Make your grace and your love so evident in our lives that that we could do nothing other than speak blessing upon them. That we would not repay insult for insult, 
perhaps, Lord, it would, it would begin by you allowing us to just be able to bite our tongue and keep silent. But our prayer is that you sincerely work through us to show your grace and your love to those who are hard to get along with, to those who, who persecute and demean, that they too would be able to recognize and understand your grace and your love. 